Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor-in-chief here at Modern Retail, and I'm usually the host of this podcast. But this month, we're going to be doing a little deep dive into some of the big issues that are hampering the retail industry as a whole. If you listen to this podcast or you read any retail news whatsoever, you know that the supply chain has been messed up for a long time now. We're going to be diving into these issues, what's going on with the supply chain, all that jazz. And with that, I want to introduce my colleague, Gabriella Barco, who will be leading this journey. Hey, Gabby. Hi, Kale. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. Just thinking about the <laughs> supply chain, obviously. Absolutely. So why don't you just give a little intro for what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks? Yeah. So I am going to be taking over the Modern Retail Podcast with a mini series that we're calling Chain Reactions. Uh, pause here for laughter. It's a great title. I'm going to be chatting with either a brand founder or executive every week about some of the supply chain solutions that they've come up with, you know, some band-aids that they've had to use or some long-term investments that they've built out um, and found that this is probably the best time to start uh, making those uh, in order to just get their goods shipped or, um, you know, work with their retail partners or whatever it is that, you know, will get orders to their customers' homes. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think, uh, you know, obviously we, this is something that we cover a lot on modern retail and, you know, every consumer has, uh, heard about the supply chain hiccups in the past year. So we're going to chat with some founders about creative solutions they've come up with. Amazing. I'm super excited to listen to it. So why don't you take it away, Gabby? It's all yours. Hello, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Gabriella Barco, reporter at Modern Retail. This week, we'll be talking to Deb Waterman-Johns, founder of Scout, about implementing a pre-book model for their wholesale accounts. Deb, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I'd love for you to sort of run us through what this pre-book model uh, looks like. It's uh, pretty much like a portal for your wholesale uh, retail you know, partners that where they, they're allowed to pre-book their orders um, for your bags, your all your inventory as they see fit. And so, yeah, I'd love for you to give us an idea of, you know, how you came up with the you know, the pre-book model, uh, why that is, and how it's helped you streamline a lot of your um, you know wholesale partnerships. Great. Okay, so you know the pandemic for so many of us, we never would have signed up for it, but it gave us some silver linings. And one of the silver linings that, as a business, we have actually used in a really positive way is understanding the flow of inventory, the commitment to inventory, the accessibility of inventory. And we know that's been a certain challenge for many, many businesses. When we found ourselves in the beginning of the pandemic and looked around at our amazing customer base, we have obviously e-com customers, but we have a massive, wonderful array of gift 
and uh, accessory stores who buy our totes, our accessories, and all of our products. And they were shutting their doors. They were shuttering up their businesses, at least in the beginning of COVID. So as a result, we pulled back on our inventory for the seasons that we could, not knowing what the future would bring. And when we went into those seasons with a little less inventory, we sold out nearly of everything, which for a business is kind of a great thing. But for a customer who's hoping to get part of that merchandise for their shelves, it's a tough thing. So we, we re-looked at how we were coming out of the pandemic or into the newer normal. And we said, all right, what can we do to ensure that our retail partners really have access to the merchandise that they want? And we also then would have the insight into what was the most popular pattern and style of our accessories and bags. And so we came up with this pre-book model where we very, very early in the process of, of the season, meaning almost a year in advance, offer an opportunity to our committed retailers. And we say, listen, if you want it, we'll get it for you. But you have to pay. So it would before we used to get great reaction just as sort of well, what do you think? You know, how do you like it? This is a little bit more of a commitment on our part as well as on their part, but the result has been very very positive. The retailers are getting what they need from Scout and we're able to navigate what we should bring in in a much much better way. Got it. And so before we really get into how you, you know, obviously build, building out this type of model is uh, an investment, whether it's technology or, you know, staffing your own operation in order to fulfill these orders. But before we get into that, can you give us a little contrast of what this looks like compared to how you were handling these orders before the pre-book, um, which I assume was more traditional as far as fulfilling orders? Yeah, no question. I mean, we always got great reaction. Uh, we would have focus groups. We would send out surveys. We would interface with a lot of our best customers and ask them to react to new developments in the line, new pattern. But we didn't really ask people to put money down on that sort of impression. When you start to involve that actual transaction of, well, if you love it, we're asking you to buy it, to commit to it now. It's a much more positive situation for everyone because they know what they're going to get and we know what we need to produce. So prior to that, we had great information, but it wasn't nearly as specific. And so we would sort of guesstimate a little bit more and we were pretty good at it most of the time. And then sometimes we just weren't and we would be stuck with more inventory that we then needed to look at another way to sort of sell off to, you know, uh, a, a lesser uh, marketplace uh, off season. But that's not what we want to do with our merchandise as a rule. We'd like to keep it, you know, in and amongst uh, our, our better retailers. So it definitely made us better at that part of our business. No question. Got it. Um, and then from there, I'd love to get a little bit into what what this involved, you know, what the build out was. If you can walk us through the timeline a little bit, um, you know, what it entailed and um, yeah, how much commitment this was in order to kind of bear the fruit at the end. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're a small business, so we have a lean and mean staff uh, and 
great, capable people. What we did do uh, at the beginning of the pandemic was really look hard at our organization to understand where were we lacking in the experience quotient. And we hired a number of really, really capable people to work with our team that was currently uh, evolving at Scout. Um, And that was in the areas of operations, in the areas of wholesale, in the areas of marketing in their areas of, of product development. All of these things were happening at Scout, but they were not leading us to the next level of growth, nor were they able to really lead us out of the pandemic in the healthiest way. So we had incredible team members who had learned at Scout, you know, how to do various things. We were, we were managing through it, but with new lenses coming in, new experiences coming in with people that were experts in the field, we were able to navigate a much stronger strategy in order to move toward that pre-book model. So it took the expertise of additional people along with our original staff. It took also time because we had to work backwards with our factories and say, okay, if we're going to do a pre-book, we need to know that the merchandise is available even earlier. We have to have samples earlier. We have to have the ability to deliver earlier, which again, if you think about it, because deliverables are slower right now, if we get further out ahead of it, then ours will hopefully be on time. So all of this was a really great, healthy way to reassess what we were already doing, but just strengthen the base. And really with experience, with the diligence of our already scout team members, we were able to say, all right, you know what? Let's create something that makes partnerships with our retailers and our manufacturing and really create a strong pre-book dimension. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then from there, um, I, I'd love it if you can sort of walk us through what that looks like now. Let's say I'm, you know, a, a small local shop owner and I'd like to place an order for some scout inventory. I know you say the idea is to kind of get that early feedback from the retailers and then adjust your orders, right, as I go. Um, let's say right now it's the holidays. I probably need a bigger uh, order than usual. So what does that look like when I do get onboarded? into your uh, pre-book portal? Well, the pre-book portal really involves training sessions. We have a really wonderful wholesale staff and they do these incredible online sessions with anybody in our retail community that is a current scout uh, retailer who would like to hear about what we're offering for the incoming season. Really understand why are we doing the patterns we're doing? Why are we doing the merchandise mixes that we're doing? What are What is our pricing structure? Um, and so really what that does is it gives them an opportunity to ask questions um, right on the spot to understand how they can book online or in person or with someone over the phone. We offer a lot of different ways because a lot of our retailers are... You know, not not every retailer is the same. You have some that are sort of older businesses that maybe aren't technologically advanced. You have others that are really on it with technology. But we found that the gift and, and accessory industry uh, at the store level was lagging behind a little bit with technology. And many have caught up through the pandemic uh, with social media and various other things. So we offer those training sessions. 
learn the line. What are we doing? What's coming? What's happening? So that they have more insight as to why would I buy this? How would I buy this? And then we also offer in-person sessions. Even during COVID, we, uh, as we were starting to emerge from COVID, once people had their their uh, immunizations and things like that, we were able to meet in person and actually navigate the process of booking for the season. So we offer a lot of support systems because again, everybody likes to work differently and you really want to embrace each one of our, those retailers in a, in a way that works for them as well as for us. I do want to get back a little bit into, uh, I'll circle back later uh, onto what, how this, you know, sort of new streamlined approach has impacted your, uh, the buyers. But first Obviously, this is also not happening in a vacuum. I know you say that this is uh, it, uh, first and foremost probably impacting your production, right? And all these uh, really long turnaround times. And so, uh, give us a little bit of an idea to start out. Uh, you know how this also is affecting the production, the you know research and development of new lines. Obviously, your a handbag brand that you know you you have a lot of different patterns, you have a lot of different SKUs. So, and you're trying to offer you know differentiation every season. So, tell us a little bit about how this plays into your relationship with your uh, manufacturers. Well, our manufacturers are all in China. They are small, uh, privately owned factories. We have a long-standing relationship. They are true partners to Scout, and you know they wanted to work from the very beginning, right through this pandemic and in the most effective ways that they could. So we had to come up with a plan. We had to come up with a plan that worked for them and worked for us. And so what we came up with um, during this time was we have eight patterns in our line and 20 styles in our line that we are now going to be looking at as always on or, you know, absolutely always available. If we produce those on a regular basis and keep refilling the stock, then our customer will always have something to sell. So the newness comes in on top of that great sort of signature collection of checks and stripes in our Scout line. And that's really helpful because it keeps the factories busy. It keeps them producing that sort of constant bottom line. And that represents a big chunk of our sales. Then we look at the newness to help with the facilitation of selling what actually the, the basic navy and white stripe. If you put in a brand new pattern next to the basic navy and white stripe, it looks newer and it looks more refreshed. Uh, years ago, I was with a guy who made all of the woolen uh, fabric for Prada. And I said, how much of it is black? And he said about 85%. But he said, you know, the pink sells the black. So what we know is that the newness in our line brings people in brings people over to the fixtures to take a look at what we have to offer. But in the end, they might say, you know what? That navy and white stripe isn't going away. That's what I'm going to buy. So there are different reasons why we do the mix. So what's amazing about our Chinese partners is they were very creative in figuring out how they could stay open uh, as safely as possible through the pandemic, how they could start to produce these classics or signature styles in our line and just continue to pump those out so that those were always flowing through. And then the newness we have now started to advocate for even earlier. And um, I am, uh, you know, I design all the patterns and, and products with the team, and we have learned how to just, you know, get out our crystal balls and figure out what's coming, what's fabulous, even earlier than we ever have before. 
And you know what? It's working because if you know your customer and you've got great information on what she wants, not only can you sell into your e-com sites more effectively, but you can also sell back out to your, your retail partners in a much healthier way. So China, um, we, we had uh, a number of check-in meetings this week with them. They're very excited about the future. They're excited that they have navigated through a very, very difficult time in our world and are continuing to strategize. But the, but the main thing is to keep those factories busy and humming and working and excited about what we're doing. Um, and so that is through both that signature collection as well as the newness. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. From there, um, you touched on the idea of getting in even earlier, even for the limited edition or new run. So um, I have to assume that's probably good news for them, right? They want to be able to plan, yeah. whereas I know usually the seasonal uh, stuff is is a very quick turnaround. So can you give us an idea of what that timeline looks like now compared to before, now that you have this idea from your um, customers, both wholesale and your DTC, um, of you know, how much volume you would need. Um, how is that helping inform these, uh, you know, large order placements with the factories? Well, our pre-book model involved about 50% of our wholesale or retail partners, and but it represented about 85% of the sales for the season. So there was a massive commitment much, much earlier. Right now, we are finalizing our design on spring, summer of 23, uh, as we are getting ready to sell, you know, seasons that are five and six seasons uh, uh, behind that. So, um, you know, we're, we're really looking at opportunity to sell simultaneously um, ideas as well as product. So we're trying to make sure that we maintain great relationships with our retailers and, and our, you know, any of our partners and give them ideas as early as we possibly can with visuals, with statistics. This is what we're going to be doing. This is where we're going with the line. This is our plan. We want you to understand it so you can get behind it and buy into it. I think transparency is critical and strategic planning is critical. And all of that amounts to a much healthier buy-in to a line. And that has helped us really navigate uh, out of a challenging time when none of us really knew what was going to happen to a lot of, of storefronts. And, and so many have navigated out of this with just sheer grit and creativity. Mm -hmm. And then speaking of, yeah, you, you just touched on it actually, but um, the idea of the retailers not being in the dark, right? Being able to really get a sense of exactly what the, what they're getting up, pretty close estimate when they'll be getting it, you know, we're talking a couple of years out right now. Um, right. Tell us a little bit about, yeah. And I think um, you mentioned that, you know, the goal is to eventually have, you know, as many of them as possible really using this uh, really streamlined system that you're building out in order to just make everybody's life easier. So what does that buy-in look like though, right? Uh, for them, whether it's a small independent boutique or some of your bigger uh, wholesale partners, um, you know, just as far as uh, buying in, what are some of the commitments that they have to make on their part in order to get uh, these benefits of guarantees? Well, I would say that Scout is unusual in that we don't require certain merchandise to have to be in their order. What we do require is a certain level of financial commitment, but 
compared to industry standards, it's actually quite reasonable. What we like to see is ongoing commitment. We like to see people that season after season step up, even if it's every season they order $1,500, $2,000, but they do it season after season. We know that that is a customer we want to take care of. Um, we'd much rather have those repeat customers and and have that healthy relationship, that ongoing relationship. So, I, you know, the specific numbers aren't as important as the fact that we want to work with people who want to work with us as long as they are committed to displaying the product well, you know, showing the best of the line. We do have recommendations about how to buy the line. But in the end, you know, you want to make sure someone is buying it to their own look, to their own feel in their store. That's what makes retail shopping still unique and different from online shopping. So we like to give those smaller stores an opportunity to be a great scout advocate. We also are very careful not to have stores that are really close and in proximity to one another. We don't want to double dip. Uh, But if we have a hardware store down the street and, you know, a great little gift boutique a couple miles away, then we don't really see those as necessarily colliding markets, you know, if they're very, very different from one another. And actually on the West Coast, we sell in car washes because Mm -hmm. people out there wash their cars obsessively Mm -hmm. and they have to have something to buy in the car wash. So we're like, yeah, our bags are like, you know, water resistant. How fabulous is that? So anyway, we do think that having that partnership, the strength of partnership is critically important. So we are very willing to listen to what they're parameters are, but we also need to protect our business. And we know that commitment early on, where we can then commit to our factories, commit to our team here at Scout, that's the way the game has to be played these days. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're saying, um, you know, I I know oftentimes I hear, you know, being a smaller brand or a smaller vendor retailer uh, does it gives you a little bit of a disadvantage over some of the bigger ones, let's say the, you know, the department stores or the big box stores of the world. But um, I know you, you're trying to build out the model in order to accommodate everybody at their own scale, as opposed to maybe, you know, oftentimes we hear these horror stories about, um, you know, bigger retailers being uh, just, uh, you know, prioritized, I think is the word, right? Um, over the smaller. That's guys. a nice word. That's a nice yeah, word. Prioritize yeah, prioritize is a nice word. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, you know, whether it's carriers, whether it's uh, vendors, whether it's brands. And so um, do you feel like it's possible to, you know, kind of balance that scale a little bit, right? In, um, in order to, to get everybody their the inventory they need, um, you know, at the end of the day, as opposed to, prior, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think I think in our industry, you have to because, you know, the the future of retail is not going to only be online. It's a really important part of our business, um, the online business. But the personalities behind these these retail establishments, the the community connectivity, um, the opportunity for people to come into a great store and feel like it's it's their home away from home. Those are all things you want to protect in a community. And if we can become partners, better partners to those retailers um, that aren't the large, large. Now, we certainly do have we have certainly some retailers that have 40, 50 stores, but we are not generally selling into big box retailers because that's not 
where our business is right now. We are definitely into specialty retailers, retailers who really stand for something in their community that is kind of unique. Um, and there's a place for big box and there's a place for those unique retail um, brick and mortars that we, we've got to have them. Because I think that something that we really noticed during the pandemic was how many people just missed connecting with stuff, you know, connecting with beautiful new, you know, clothing and accessories and jewelry and, you know, even being eating in restaurants. Those sensory needs were not necessarily fulfilled in the beginning of COVID. And as we started to to emerge from the ashes, we saw opportunity to really surprise and delight people in new ways. And we want to keep our communities of loyal retailers happy and, and you know, coming back to scout season after season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that consistency, uh, I'd love for you to just, you know, before we wrap up, touch a little bit on what is the scalability of your pre-book model. I mean, you know, one theme right now we're hearing is that there are a lot of short-term investments that a lot of companies are making in order to, you know, navigate this, you know, the entire supply chain debacle. But a lot of these, it's not like this is going away, right? After whenever it is that magic date number (laughs) comes up. Exactly. You know, this is suddenly fixed. So how do you see this, you know, just as part of your overall business, right? Because you also have a pretty big direct-to-consumer business. So mm-hmm. how do you um, foresee just balancing, um, you know, the, the, the two different portals? Um, yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. This is not going away. This is actually a much healthier practice for us, uh, not just for our factories, not just for our, our retailers, but it's something that helps us manage inventory much, much better because we know exactly who's getting it. We know where it's going. We don't have as much surplus nearly as much merchandise that we have to discount or move into those other big box portals. So we love the idea of this pre-book model. We like working earlier. It's kind of a great challenge, but it's also really logical because our business doesn't change radically every season. It evolves. It's not a revolution. It's an evolution. So if you have an evolutionary business in terms of having totes and accessories and bags and things like that for women, you know, they want to come back to you for, for product that is recognizable. So you want to keep moving what is great in front of them, but you also want to keep them coming back for, oh, what are they going to do next? I can't wait to see what Scout's going to do next. And so it's a fine blend of newness and ongoing. And so we see this pre-book model as being something that will really help us determine how to invest our dollars on behalf of our retailers, on behalf of our e-com site, understanding that you know, if, if if wholesale and retail accounts are really excited about something, chances are it's going to sell on our e-com site equally well. So what's happening is they're giving us this very, very strong reaction to something that will help us navigate all portals of our selling of the Scout product. So it's a really great opportunity to do even better for ourselves as well as for our retail partners. Mm-hmm. And then just to put a boat on that, bow on that, just to put a bow on that, 
I'd love to just, you know, before I let you go, get an idea. I know it's still fairly new, but um, there seems to be already, um, you know, some early results or benefits that you're seeing on both sides, whether it's, you know, for your planning purposes or retailers' reactions. Um, any sort of metrics that you're looking out for, um, anything that you are really measuring up, you know, the success of the pre-book model um, as far as, you know, where you're hoping it goes uh, so far? Anything that you could share would be great. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the biggest measures is, you know, we obviously have three or 400 SKUs a season, um, individual products, and we we measure each one of those SKUs very carefully, and we measure it to a number of what we hope the sell-through will be, what we think a healthy sell-through would be for that product. And not every product is created equal. You know, certain things we're going to say, all right, this is going to kill it. It always does. This one's going to be a little bit like the cherry on top. It's going to entice people, but it may not sell as deeply. So each one of those SKUs has a number attached to it as to what would be the the ultimate success, not only with a sell-through, a dollar amount. Um, and also we are very careful about how we assort into certain products with different SKU counts, with different fabrics. So we have metrics across all of our products that measure the success or challenge of a certain skew in a certain fabric, in a certain pattern, during a certain season, over a certain amount of selling time. And all of those things help us pivot earlier on in our buys with the successive seasons. So if something is we thought was going to be absolutely amazing, and all of a sudden it's like, whoops, okay, that's not going to be as good as we thought it would be. You know, what's the plan B? Maybe we don't do that as heavily the following season. What are we going to bring in instead at that price point with that look, with that feel? So a lot of it is almost like a chess game. You know, you just, you've got to keep moving the pieces around. You've got to keep reading and reacting. And so the metrics we're looking for are different for each one of our SKUs, but we have very, very strong goals for every single thing that we sell. And we have certain also levels of profitability. You know, if we don't hit, you know, a certain margin, on a product retail and wholesale, we're not going to put it in the line because we know that that will sustain our business by keeping those margins healthy. So all of those things are great measures. I think sometimes people think, oh my God, you just like pick a cute pattern, pick a cute bag, put it in your line. Like that is not what happens. We all know that to, to run a business successfully, the, the you know, numbers are key. Um, and we have to respect the numbers. They guide us. They help us navigate what's coming, but they also make us a healthier company because we don't carry as much inventory of what was not as popular or what was not as sought after. That just doesn't exist anymore. We're bringing in what people actually want to pay for. And I said to someone recently, the best thing to come out of 2021 was that we realized people still want our stuff. People still love Scout. They want to come back for more. We're lucky. We're very, very lucky to have uh, the strength of our team, uh, a product that has had 17, 18 years in the marketplace. And we are looking at it only getting better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that um, that that's very well said because what we hear a lot is sort of this: we need to have a more data-driven approach, whether it's you know towards the supply chain or design. Obviously, for something like fashion, it's a little bit hard because it's almost this uh, fine blend of the two, right? Like you want to be able to have your creative 
you know, releases and SKUs, but um, you're also trying to, you're looking at this, for example, the pre-book model as a way to gauge, you know, what is selling at the end of the day, because um, I'm sure this is probably what you're going to say, but, um, you know, the, the worst thing is, you know, for you to have is that excess, you know, off price um, inventory that you have to, you know, offload at the end of the season, because the planning just uh, did not go accordingly. And um, it seems like this is the solution that's working for your brand specifically, maybe not for everybody, but well, it's a good example it, of what it Yes, you're right. And it definitely is part of the solution. I think the other part of the solution is just never taking your eye off the prize. If you believe in what you do, if you think you really have something special to offer out there, if you know that you have a loyal, incredible customer base, you just keep doing it. And you hope you do it better every season. And you hope you do it with more dynamic um, you know, just presence in the marketplace. And, and we, um, are so excited about the people behind what we do. The, the, the energy, the enthusiasm, the intelligence, the, st- the strategic wherewithal, the experience. You're only as good as your team. And we honestly are very, very happy to say that we've got a, a really, really awesome team. So, you know, um, scout, scout marches on. We'll be here. <laughs> Well, that said, uh, I think that's a great place to stop. Thank you so much, Dev, for joining us and just walking us through this solution that you've uh, come up with You know, as we're all navigating this crazy uh, supply chain debacle that's going on. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Come back next week for more Chain Reactions featuring an interview with Carly McGinnis, Chief Operating Officer at Exploding Kittens. I'm Gabriella Barco with Modern Retail. Thank you.